All right, well, you're here. That's the important thing. And uh, Psalm 27, we're going to begin reading in verse 1. It says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even mine enemies and my foes, came upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell. Though an host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise against me, in this will I be confident. One thing have I desired of the Lord, and that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord, and to inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me, he shall set me up upon a rock. And now shall mine head be lifted up above mine enemies round about me. Therefore will I offer in his tabernacle sacrifices of joy. I will sing, yea, I will sing praises unto the Lord. Looking at this text today and the the title we've given it for this morning is, What Are You Afraid Of? What Are You Afraid Of? Let's pray. Lord, we love you. God, I thank you, Lord, for your word, the privilege that it is to be here together today and worship you. But I thank you for this group of people, God, and for bringing us together, uh, Lord, to praise your name, but also, God, to be here looking at this one text in the Bible, God, to receive exactly what you have for us to receive. Lord, I know this is what you have for us today, and I pray, Lord, for all in attendance, they leave encouraged, Lord, remembering who you are. Lord, I pray you be with the children over in the other building now and the service they're having. Lord, I pray that you'd strengthen them in your word today. Be with the teachers and the workers. Lord, I pray that you'd be glorified in that as, as well as in this auditorium today. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. There's a five-year-old named Johnny. He's in the kitchen there as his mother was making supper. And as many moms would do, they're trying to get the kids involved in the meal. And she looked at Johnny and she said, Johnny, I need you to go to the pantry and get me a can of tomato soup. I need it for the recipe. And, but he didn't want to go alone. How many of you had a, a kid that was afraid to ever go into a dark place? I, I have several of those. And one of them may or not be in that, in that row beside his mom right now. But I remember those, those days. And as she looked at her son Johnny and told him there to go to the pantry, he was afraid. And she said, it's okay. Jesus will be with you. Just go to the pantry and bring me the can of soup. And he hesitantly walked over to the door. And he's looking back at her as he's heading there. And He opens a door, and there is that big, dark, scary pantry. He started to turn around when he had this idea come to his head, and he looked in the pantry, and he said, Jesus, if you're in there, will you hand me that can of tomato soup? You know, often, fear gets the best of us, doesn't it? You know, we get a glimpse into David's life and a situation in this text, and it's easy to see that things are not too comfortable for David at this point in his life. We see a lot of opposition. We look here in this text, just those six verses that we read, we find the word enemies, we find the word foes, we see a host or a a war-like atmosphere. And as they're speaking of the enemies that are there and this hope, this host encamping, encamping against him, war rising against him, it didn't seem too comfortable for David in this text. But even in this situation, We definitely see the circumstances of David were difficult or uncomfortable at this certain instance in his life. But we read his words, and he sounds encouraged. And we read these words this morning, and we are encouraged by them because David had a great spirit of hope in his God. Just a few weeks ago, we we again preached on the thought of hope. And as we look at what's going on in David's heart, his circumstances didn't look too great, but 
that hope that he had caused a different type of spirit to come from him. G.K. Chesterton, he said, there's no medicine like hope. No incentive so great, no tonic, so powerful as expectation of something better tomorrow. I coached our, a lot of our kids through different sports, and I'm thinking of Little League Baseball and how those scores can be quite drastically different from team to team. And this, this man went up to a, a Little League uh, player that was playing. He arrived late to the game, and he said, how's it going? What's the score? And the kid said, oh, it's 16 to nothing. He goes, oh, are you winning? He goes, no, we're losing. And the man looked at him and said, I'm, I'm sorry about that. Don't, don't give up. And he goes, oh, it's okay. We haven't gotten up to bat yet. He still, he had a lot of hope. Hope means hoping when things are hopeless. As long as matters are really hopeful, hope is mere flattery. It's only when everything is hopeless that hope begins to be a strength. You know, many people have added years to their life through hope. Now we look at the world we live in. And to the world we live in and people having hope in this world, hope is the world longing for something that may or may not take place. And, and the world puts hope in many things, doesn't it? We put our hope in politicians. Say, if this per- we can just get this person into office or this person in that position, everything's going to be okay. We put our hope in sports teams and we put our hope in finances. We put our hope in a job or we put our hope in, in family. But the Bible tells us to be careful not to do that. The 146th Psalm, the psalmist wrote, put not your trust in princes, nor in the Son of Man, in whom there is no help. His breath goeth forth, he returneth to his earth, and that very day his thoughts perish. So if we don't need to put our hope in man, where should we put our hope? The psalmist continued there, he said, happy is he that hath the God of Jacob for his help, whose hope is in the Lord his God. That's where it needs to be today. Jeremiah said, blessed is a man that trusteth in the Lord and whose hope the Lord is. Paul wrote, and now abideth faith, hope, charity. You know, to the world, hope is nothing more than a wish, is it? But to the Christian, rightly placed hope is a deep, settled confidence that we have a God that keeps his promises. Life is going to bring disappointments to all of us. There's there's going to be trials in life. There's going to be difficult circumstances. There's going to be enemies that come against you. There's going to be pressures in this life. There's going to be temptations that will try to weigh us down, and we will have our battles. But we can have difficulty and biblical hope at the same time. You can have confidence this morning that God is enough. You You can have trust in God this morning that he can and that he can make a difference. And as you read David, there's, the circumstances don't look good at all to us as we see what he's facing. And we see these enemies crash, uh, rushing in round about him. But we find this man speaking in a very upbeat manner because his hope was not in man. It wasn't in himself. It wasn't in the, the people around him. It wasn't in his circumstances, evident, obviously. But it was in the God who had delivered him so many times before. So I want to notice, the three, notice three things this morning that brought hope to David. Three things of the day that he decided not to be afraid of his circumstances, but he trusted in God and had hope. And the first thing that gave him hope was faith in God. You look at these first three verses, and the first thought that he had in this psalm when, when stating his difficulty was to acknowledge who his God was. And you could say today that faith is the foundation of hope. He had faith, first of all, in the person of God. We look here 
in verse 1, three different times we see the word my there, don't we? The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. David had a personal relationship with God. Any Christian that understands that God is all of those things will find hope today, I promise you. The first thing he spoke of God being was a light. He said God is a light to deliver him from darkness. In the New Testament, in the book of Colossians, we'll find that he wrote, Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness. We have a God that has brought us from darkness to light. A God who in a dark world can light our path and who can guide our steps. Jesus himself said the Spirit of God, the the Holy Spirit, as as he was left here, when Jesus left this earth, earth, he said, when the Spirit of truth is come, he will guide you into all truth. What's another way he does that? It's another type of light we have in, 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 our, in our life that's the light of the word of God, don't we? Psalmist wrote, thy word is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. And David understood as he was speaking of God being his light. He knew as dark as his day could be, as dark as the, the storm clouds would gather above him, that God was his light and could help him navigate through any situation. Do we have anybody here that likes to drive at night without headlights? I don't think so. We, we don't walk a dark path in the woods without some sort of light. It's common sense, isn't it? Why should we ever try to walk in this dark world without the light? Why should we try to go through that dark situation in our life without looking to him as our light? It is God's desire to help you navigate those things. David had faith in God and the person of God that he was his light. He had faith in the person of God that... He said, God is my salvation. David knew that God would protect him from doom. In John chapter 5, he wrote, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that heareth my words, Jesus said this, And believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life, and he shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death into life. It is God's will that all men be saved. Remember last week, we, we looked there at In John chapter 10, we spoke of that word saved and what it means. That word saved is describing a person who recovered from a serious illness or someone who survived a war or someone who came safely through a bad storm being saved from those things. And God, when we deserved eternal punishment in hell, did what he did on the cross so we can be saved from that punishment. Jesus said, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, any man, whosoever, any person this is available to, he shall be saved. And as we're saved, the Bible says in the book of 1 Peter, we are kept by the power of God through faith into salvation. It will never change. We're held secure. David looked at God as his salvation, and God today is your salvation. And the person of God, he also understood God was the strength of his life. In David's moments of weakness, God was enough in every circumstance. We look at David's incapabilities early in his life. What did he face? He faced a lion as he was tending to the sheep. He faced a a bear, both of those he was able to take over with the power of God. And he actually referenced those things one day as he was out there in front of this giant named Goliath who nobody around him would had any desire to to come in contact with and he said God help me with those things he'll help me with this 
Victory was always an option, always available because of God. Can I tell you today, victory is available to you. God's strength today is available to you. Paul wrote to the church of Corinth, but thanks be to God which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. David understood with God as his salvation, with God as his strength, there was nothing that could have dominion over him. And as as Paul said, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Isn't that a a wonderful thought to know? God God is your strength. God can be, God is all that you need, but how often do we not go to him as we should? In our moments of weakness, we need to be looking to God. In our moments of, of where we feel capable, we need to continue to look to God because through him we are more than conquerors. And, and I love that verse, more than conquerors. Not only are we conquerors over Satan and over the punishment of hell, but we are conquerors over the world and sin and the afflictions and the persecutions of the world. And we can cheerfully and courageously continue on and move forward because we are not just conquerors, but more than conquerors. We have more than overcome. But it's all done through him, our strength. David said, God is the strength of my life. And he can be yours as well. David had faith in the person of God. That's who God was then and that's who God is today. But not just the person of God, but the goodness of God. It says there in verse 2, when the wicked, even mine enemies and my foes came upon me to eat at my flesh, they stumbled and fell. That when hosts should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. The war should rise against me in this, will I be confident. Another reason that he had faith in God was not just because of who God was, but because of what God had done for him in the past. David said, I've been through a lot of things before, and God never failed me. God didn't fail David. God won't fail you today. I encourage you, if you can, be here on Wednesday nights for our series in Elijah. It's been very encouraging for me to to look at his life and the early development of of what God did for him to show him that he was enough in these great situations. We find Elijah, this mountain man, coming down to speak to the evil king and queen, the most powerful people in the world, and he gave them this message of punishment. And as soon as he was done with that, God said, I want you to go to this dry brook named Cherith. He said, you're going to go there and you're going to wait. Well, all this danger may be swirling around you. You're going to go there. You're going to be safe. I'm going to give you water, and I'm going to have the ravens bring you food. Day by day, Elijah understood the need to trust in God, not himself. The water dried up, and God came to Elijah and said, And now I want you to go to Zarephath. There's a widow woman there. Has just a little bit of food, but she's, I've commanded her to sustain you. And day by day, this widow woman and, and her son and Elijah, they were there in the, in the house, and every day they used the last of the meal, every day they used the last of the oil, and every, the next day they'd wake up and they'd have just enough again to eat. Every day God proved himself to be enough. Every day God proved himself to be good. And it was through those things where Elijah's faith grew to a point to where he eventually stood on a mountain facing thousands of enemies. And the power of God showed up in his life. You know, the goodness of God shown on you to this point in your life should be enough to give you some hope.
Because what you have in Christ right now is better than what you deserve. He died for you. Think of your possessions. Think of the things that you have. Think of the people you love. God's good. A few moments ago, I sang a song called God is Good. God's been good. I can think back in my life. Yeah, there's been some difficulties. But God's always proved himself faithful. There's a song that we like to sing, our, our family, called The Goodness of God. It says, I love you, Lord, for your mercy never failed me. All my days, I've been held in your hand from the moment that I wake up until I lay my head. I will sing of the goodness of God. The other verse said, I, lo- I love your voice. You have led me through the fire. In the darkest night, you are close like no other. I have known you as a father. I have known you as a friend. I have lived in the goodness of God. For all my life, you've been faithful. For all my life, you've been good. For with every breath I'm able, I will sing of the goodness of God. David had hope, not only in who his God was, but he had hope because of what his God had done for him already. Elijah, as we just referenced a moment ago, one day he stood on Mount Carmel against thousands of foes and had hope in the goodness of God because God had proven himself to be good. Abraham, as he stood on the mountain with a knife in his hand, raised to take his son's life, had hope that God would provide a lamb because he knew God was good. And you can have hope today because the God that we serve is unchangeable. No different than he was. No different than he ever will be. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's never changed. He never will change. And because he's been faithful in the past, we can count on him being faithful now. We're approaching this, we're in this month now of Thanksgiving. And I want to encourage you now to to just take a little bit of an inventory of your life. I'm thankful for a country that, that celebrates this day and and looking to God, and it was created for the, the purpose to look to God to thank Him. Think of your blessings that you have. Think of what God's provided for you. If you need to, write them down. Sit down this week and write them down and thank God for, for the provisions. Thank God for the victories in your life, the enemies that are no longer there, the mountains He's moved for you. Think on those things. That'll give you hope. You know, David had hope because of his faith in God, who God was and who God and what God did for him as goodness. But he secondly had hope because of his devotion to God. You know, not only does living with faith give hope, but living faithful to God will strengthen that hope. Look there in verse 4. One thing, if I desire to the Lord, as all these things are happening in his life, this is what he wants. One thing, if I desire to the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. David was devoted. And as David was sitting in this difficulty, as he took inventory of who his God was and what his God had done for him, he knew who got him where he was. He knew who delivered him from the difficulties in the past, and he knew who would take him where he needed to go. So he was devoted to him. And he was devoted to, first of all, dwell with God. David says there in verse 4, the one thing I desire, the thing I'm going to seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord forever. He wanted to dwell with him. He wanted to spend his entire life in the house of the Lord. He wanted to be where God was. 
In, in Psalm 84, look, look at it there with me if you want. Psalm 84 and verse 1. He says, how amiable are thy tabernacles, O Lord of hosts. Verse 2, my soul longeth. Yea, even fainteth for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh crieth out for the living God. Yea, the sparrow hath found an house, and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may lay her young, even thine altars. For Lord of, Lord of hosts, my King and my God. Blessed are they that dwell in the house. They, they will be still praising thee, Selah. David wanted to be no, no place other than in the presence of God and the tabernacle of God. He wanted that so much he envied the birds that lay their nest around the tabernacle. Because they could be near the house of God all the time, but he couldn't. He had a desire to be where God was. That was the heartbeat of David, to be in the presence of God. Is that your desire today? You're here today. I'm, I'm very happy about that. You haven't forsaken the assembling of God. You've made that decision to be in church, but is it your desire truly to be with God, to be in his presence? Tomorrow, is your desire going to be to dwell, be dwelling with God, to want more? If it is, it'll show in your life. You won't be able to get enough of the word of God. You'll need it every day. Talking with God in, in, in a life of prayer will be a priority. Certain things, if you want to be close to God, will be cut out. Certain things will be added on. Church will be something that you look at to be essential. You know, David wanted to dwell in the presence of God. And David not only wanted to dwell in the presence of God, but he wanted to delight in God. He said, I want to behold the beauty of the Lord. Or to delight in the pleasantness of the Lord. And as David was, would look at the tabernacle, he would delight seeing the, the priest in their robes doing their office. He would see the Levites and the, the singers, they perform their, their songs for God and seeing people assemble together for worship. And that was something that he loved to see and something that he delighted in and wanted to be part of. He not only wanted to dwell with God, but he was committed to worshiping his God. That was a genuine desire, and that's a desire each of us should have. And as you're here today, as you're seeking God, and as you're in church today, is it your desire, is it a chore or a longing? Is it something we check off our weekly list, or is it something that we truly long for and desire and delight in? We sang just a few moments ago songs of praise to God. We sang about how great our God was. We sang about the blessed assurance, we, under, we, we sang and testified, this is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. We sang those songs, we, 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 we sang the song, come thou fountain of every blessing, a longing to be close to him. Was it obligation or desire? Do we delight in those things? As David delighted in God and the and being in the presence of God and being part of the praise of God, it, it brought hope. It strengthened his hope. And not only did he desire his presence and delight in it, but he then depended on God. Because I, I want to be there in the presence of God. I want to delight in that worship and the beauty of the Lord. And then I want to inquire in his temple. I, I want to talk to him. I want to ask of him. I am depending on him. 
You know, David was declaring absolute dependence on God for the necessities of life. This was a man, especially early on as we look at him, he understood his own abilities. He understood his own incapabilities and he understood God's capabilities. And as he was truly aware of that, he wanted nothing more in his life than to continue to call upon him and to seek the help of his God. God has everything that you need today. That trial that you're in, God has what you need to get through it. That decision you have to make, God has the wisdom you need to make that. That feeling of disappointment that you have on on something you may have done against God or the way you've disappointed people in your life, God has what you need to get past that. God has peace available. God has joy available. God has help available in those situations. Do you want his help? Do you seek his help? There's an old textile mill, and in that textile mill there was a sign that said, when your thread becomes tangled, call the foreman. When your thread becomes tangled, call the foreman. There's this new employee there, this young woman that was on the job, and her thread became tangled, and just like many new employees might think, you know what, I'll just, I need to fix this myself. This job's important. I don't want them to think I can't do this job, and she tried to work on it and work on it and work on it, and it only worsened. Then she called the foreman, and she looked at him, and she said, I did the best I could. He looked back at her, and he said, no, you didn't. To do the best you could, you should have called me earlier. God's available to you right now. God was available to you earlier this week. God was available the moment that disappointment came your way. Did you call him then? Do you have a desire to inquire at his temple? Do you have a desire to to seek his help? Do you depend on him? The Bible says, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, which giveth to all men, what? Liberally, and it braideth not, and it shall be given him. Philippians 4, be careful for what? Nothing. But in what? Everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is what? Faithful and what? Just to what? Forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Jesus in John 16 said, verily, verily, I say unto you, whatsoever you shall ask the Father in my name, he will give it, to, he will give it you. Hitherto have you asked nothing in my name. Ask and you shall receive that your joy may be full. What are you missing out on today because you haven't inquired? Are you missing out on hope? Are you devoted? Do you delight in him? His goodness hasn't changed. You know, David had hope because of his faith in God. David had hope because of his devotion. And lastly, David had hope because of his comfort with God. Look at verse 5. I love this verse. For in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me. He shall set me up upon a rock. And now shall mine head be lifted up above mine enemies round about me. David found comfort in his God. In that sheltered place. David knew 
whenever he needed it, that his God would hide him in his pavilion. And David understood what that meant more clearly than anybody else. He was the king. A king's pavilion that David is referencing here was a tent that was built in the middle of an army's encampment. You can imagine as the, the encampment would be developed and, and, and the, the, the gates would be put up, the guards would be in place, the soldiers as the, the higher ranking would be closer and closer to the center. In the very center of that encampment was the king's pavilion. A whole host of an army encamped round about it, protecting it from the battlefield. And few people were fortunate enough to enter. But the ones that were felt safer in that place than anywhere else they could be in that encampment. You the enemy today is approaching. There's a spiritual battle happening in the world that we live in. There's a spiritual battle happening in your life every single day, whether you acknowledge it or not. And the children of God can be held safe in the king's pavilion. Paul said your life is hid with Christ in God. Could there be a safer place in the world for the Christian? If you've entered his pavilion and you're protected by him, even when the battle rages around you, even as temptations come, you can be entertained and, and, and comforted with peace and joy of the king. If you abide there, if you're devoted to him, you'll find yourself there in every trial. You'll find yourself going there in every difficulty, every battle of life. No enemy can penetrate the defense. That's what allowed David to face Goliath. That's the confidence that was felt by Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the book of Daniel. That was the hope of Daniel. That was the knowledge that Paul had that he was able to continue even as he continued to suffer greatly when he said, God's grace is sufficient for me. I want to encourage you today, get in the pavilion. There's comfort in that sheltered place. There's also comfort in the secret place. He says there in verse 5, in the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me. This brings to mind the tabernacle and the secret place being the holy of holies. This place was off limits to everyone but the high priest. You could enter there one day a year and only the, with, by the blood of an innocent sacrifice. And, and it's in that secret place now that God takes his precious friends. The Holy of Holies is where the presence of God was felt and the glory of God could be seen. And as David was referencing a secret place, it was, it was where David found himself Shut up, with, shut up with God and, and, and shut off from the world around him and he could be there with just him and God and in that sweet fellowship. If we look at the home of David, a secret place would have been the private place of the king. No one could enter without the permission. Do you have that secret place? Do you have time alone with God? Do you, have, do you spend time speaking to God and, and seeking the help of God and that the presence of the high priest? There's comfort in that place. God had a sheltered place, a secret place, and God had a safe place. 
I'm normally not an alliteration guy. It just happened a couple times this week. I feel pretty smart. He says there at the end of verse 5, He shall set me up upon a rock. And now shall mine head be lifted up above mine enemies round about me. David knew as the enemies approached, as the waves crashed around him, that God would set him up on a rock. A place that was unchanging. I want to tell you today, God is that rock. David, David wrote in another psalm, I waited patiently for the Lord and he inclined unto me and heard my cry. He brought me up also out of a horrible pit out of the miry clay and set my feet upon a rock and established my goings. The rock he's referring to in, this, in our text is what they call a great craggy rock. It was, it was a rock that goes far above the battle, high above the battle where no weapons could reach it, no enemies could reach it. High above where nothing could harm him. It was a place of peace. That's a comfort that brings hope, don't you think? Have you noticed something there in verse 5? Of all the things he says there in verse 5, all the things mentioned, none of those things are things that David can do to himself. It's only things that are done for him by God. God does those kind of things for his children. David had hope because of his faith in God. He had hope because of his devotion to God. He had hope because of his comfort in God. Even when we find all these references to the enemy, even when it seems he was surrounded and life was threatened, he had hope. Do you have that? Are you aware of that today? If you have that, what, do you, what should you do? What do you think? What did David do? Look at the end of verse 6. Therefore will I offer in his tabernacle sacrifices of joy. I will sing, yea, I will sing praises unto the Lord. What do we do? Praise him. Thank him. I'm thankful for a God that's lifted me up in the battle. I'm thankful for a God that has hidden me in that secret place. I'm thankful for a God that sheltered me when the war is raging round about me. I know the goodness of God. I know the shepherd. And I have a relationship with him. And because of that today, I'm going to praise his name. As many of you know, we have on Wednesday afternoons, we have a, a homeschool chess league that meets over here. Uh, a lot of ages, about 40 kids that come every week. And my sons have gotten into it this year, and, and uh, I think Charlotte and the other ones are looking to join here soon. They're starting to learn chess a little bit, and they're growing in that, in that area. And Jackson's begged me not to share this, but I'm going to do it anyways. He's playing his, his mom in chess just a couple weeks ago, and he's, he's been learning. He's improved. And, uh, but he was, he was playing and she was beating him pretty badly. And he's speaking to both of us and he looks at us, he says, I'm pretty confident, but things aren't looking too good for me. <laughs> How often do things not look too good for you? You know, you may be looking at your life right now and things aren't looking, aren't looking too good for you right now. 
If you look in the back of your bulletin, there's this painting called Checkmate. It's a depiction, the artist that painted it, painted this as a depiction of a man playing chess with the devil. And the painter painted this with the thought of a man being defeated by the devil. And called it Checkmate. It was a fight between the man and the devil for his soul. And this man's there sitting in frustration, on, I believe, on the right-hand side and thinks there's no way out for him. Years ago, this painting was being displayed in a certain museum and a group of people were being guided through and told all about these paintings. And as they went through the museum, this particular man was somewhat held captive by this and found himself just staring there and analyzing it and the group continued on and after a while the man still hadn't joined the group and the the tour guide came back to find him and asked him why he was so intrigued by this painting and he says well I'm I'm a chess master he says I've 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 played chess my whole life and I enjoy anytime I see any sort of depiction of chess or a board and I like to see where the pieces are and analyze every decision that was possibly made to get there he says, as I'm looking at this, I'm, I'm sorry to tell you, but you either need to change the name of the painting or you need to edit the pieces on the board because the game's not over. He says, the king still has one more move. There may be a lot of situations in your life where you are so overwhelmed, so held captive by the trial, by the difficulty by the temptation where you feel checkmate, feel defeated. But can I tell you today, no matter how difficult of a place you may find yourself in, no matter how, how overwhelmed you are, how burdened you are, our king can never be defeated. There's more moves to go. You may look at your life and you may see a mess today. But God is enough in that situation. You may be here today and you feel defeated, but you can have faith in the God who created this world. You can trust his promises and you can have hope because of what he has already done for you and others. You may feel surrounded and overwhelmed by a trial. You may not feel like you have any hope today, but you can have hope because your God can put you in that pavilion and hide you in that secret place. Our king will never be defeated. In a world longing for hope, you have hope in the one who promised he will never leave you nor forsake you. So what should you be afraid of? Nothing. Praise him. And if you don't know him, come to him. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Are you fighting some battles? I think we all are, aren't we? But in the midst of your battle, you can still have hope. Do you? Do you have confidence that God can work all these things out for his good? for your good and for his glory. If you have hope, praise him. If you don't have hope, come to him. 
commit right now to, to dwelling with him, commit right now to have faith in him, commit right now to do whatever's necessary to have comfort in him. Lord, we love you, God. We thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, for this very clear psalm of David. Lord, I pray that you bless this time of invitation. Lord, work in our hearts. Help us, God, to be have our hope strengthened as we leave here today. And, Lord, just to live a life of thankfulness and awareness of your goodness. Lord, bless this invitation in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's all stand together as the piano plays. As Brother David sings, the altar is open. There is a place Those getting baptized today can head to the back. Near to the heart of God, a place where sin cannot molest. Near to the heart of God, oh Jesus, blessed Redeemer, sent from the heart of God, hold us to wait. people said amen amen if you would be seated for just a moment um, normally we end our service at this point but we have two to be baptized today and so if you would please just sit here for just a couple minutes I'm a quick change artist so I'll be right up there and be back out and we'll dismiss here in just a minute
Our first one to be baptized today is my son, Jackson Himes. Jackson was saved at camp uh, back in June. And uh, Jackson, upon your profession of faith, I baptize you, my brother, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Buried in the likeness of his death, raised in the likeness of his resurrection. Next one to be baptized is Malachi Davenport. Malachi, uh, we've met in the office a couple times. He was struggling with uh, the time he was saved and uh, knew after a certain amount of time that he needed to get it settled, and I praise the Lord. But about a month ago, Malachi bowed his head and accepted the Lord as his Savior, and he knows without a shadow of a doubt he's going to heaven. We're praising the Lord for that. Let's go and step forward here. Malachi, upon your profession of faith, I baptize you, my brother, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Buried in the likeness of his death. Raised in the likeness of his resurrection. All right, let's all stand together. Can everybody hear me? Do I need to yell or can I talk normally? We're good? Okay. All right, well, thank you for being here today. Just to praise the Lord for those that were baptized. And we need to do that every week. So let's do our job. We've been having a, a soul winning uh, class at Sunday school. I want to invite anybody that is, is interested in that to come at 930 on Sunday morning. We've been going through that the last several weeks and are going to continue for a little bit here. Uh, we need to go out and share the gospel and bring people in to be baptized and train them to go out and do the very same thing. That's the desire of this church. All right? As we're dismissed today, Brother Max, if you would, dismiss us in prayer.